This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, Now, up to to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone, and today on the program, I'm joined by one of the most versatile broadcasters in America today. It's called MLB, NFL, college football, basketball, golf, tennis, and did you just say he did it in the 92 and 94 Olympics? He called Luge. Uh, he's currently <laughs> doing play-by-play for the Boston Red Sox. Ladies and gentlemen, Sean McDonough. Sean, thanks for coming on the program. Hey, my pleasure, my friend. It's great to see you, and uh, thanks for having me on. <clears throat> that was a mouthful. You've done it all. Uh, you've been playing any golf? We haven't, have, seen each other. Well. we haven't seen each other in how long? It's been 12 yeah, years. Yeah, I think it years. was back at the Ahmad Rashad Celebrity Golf Classic at Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. Mohegan And that Sun. had to be, gosh, 15 years ago, maybe? That had to be 15, because I was just barely retired, I think, when I, mm-hmm. when I did that, so... That was a fun um, time. You grew up in Boston. I, I I mentioned it in the opening. Luge, the Olympics. How much did you know about Luge before you did it? <laughs> it's a great question. The answer is zero. Um, you know, the first Olympics I did when I was at CBS was in 92. And I believe that was the first year of short track speed skating. And that was going to be my assignment. And then kind of at the last minute. They had a couple of changes in their announcer lineup, and they said to me, you're going to do the bobsled and luge. And I thought, okay. Um, so I actually went to Lake Placid, New York, which is where the U.S. bobsled and luge teams train, and went up and met the people, had them kind of explain to me how the whole thing works. Actually went on a bobsled and luge run myself, which was stupid because I, I probably came pretty close to killing myself doing the luge. But um but it did give you an appreciation of what it was like and you know how difficult it was. So I really didn't know anything, but I had fun learning it and you know, had a lot of fun doing the bobsled luge commentary for uh, two Olympics, as you said earlier. 
I mean, you're probably on a short list of of guys that are versatile in, in this industry. Um, is there something you wouldn't be comfortable calling? You know, yes, I'm sure uh, there are a few things. Um, a couple of years ago, when we were doing the NHL All-Star game, the PR people at ESPN were putting on a press release. They asked me, how many different sports have you done on national TV? And I had to think about it and count it for a minute, and the answer was 11. And, um, but I, I do think it's really the same thing, Brett Ray. If, as long as you know the rules, you know, play-by-play play is the same skill. You're describing what you see. You're interacting with the analysts. You're putting captions on pictures, hopefully telling stories, uh, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, I think auto racing uh, would be something I'm, I'm not sure I'd be able to do. I don't know a lot about cars. Um, and once they all started and started going around the track, I, I'm sure there are ways to tell who's ahead and who's not. But um I'm not sure I'd be good at that. And I'm sure there are a number of other things that if I thought more about it, uh, I wouldn't be good at. But uh, the sports that I do know, you know, I feel comfortable doing it. Well, you know a lot. And and just being on this side of the microphone, for me, in this brief period I have been the last few years, uh, put me in a baseball atmosphere. It's simple. That's a layup for me. I can talk the game, anything you want to do. TV, I understand, is different than radio. Uh, radio, you got to kind of paint the picture a little bit more, but let's just take the three big sports, baseball, basketball, football. Is there a different tactic you take to each one or, or do you apply Sean McDonough's just personality to all three? I mean, you've, you've done it so <laughs> long now, but no, there is a difference in calling a baseball game versus a, a football game versus a, a basketball game. Yeah, very much so. You know, I used to say uh, football is probably the easiest to do on TV because there's just a natural rhythm and flow to it, right? I mean, when the play is being run, basically that's the play-by-play person's domain. You're describing the play. And then when the play is over, usually you're just kind of out and let the uh, analyst come in. Oftentimes there's a replay. Um, And if there's not, nothing happens. And sometimes between plays, the play-by-play person might tell a story. Or a lot of times we're also doing business, you know, reading a promo or that sort of thing. So there's kind of a natural ebb and flow of who's supposed to talk when. Where in the, most of the other sports, there's not. You know, baseball's totally different now, Brett, than it was last year or the uh, rest of my career prior to this year with, with the clock. You know, it uh, used to be a lot of times you were kind of struggling for something to say. Now you really have a struggle to get things in because the pitches are coming fast and furious. You might have a story you want to tell you might want to have a little banter with your analyst but there's no time especially you know on the radio where i do 25 red sox games uh here in boston they're nice enough to let me come back and do that and you know they we might have we at least have one drop in in every inning and some innings we have two when you're doing the out-of-town scoreboard or whatever it is so you know it used to be you're kind of thankful to have the drop-ins because it gave you a way to kill 15 or 20 seconds now they kind of get in the way because you know, the, the action is coming so fast so they're all different in their own way you know i think of all the stuff i do right now hockey's the hardest you know the the pace of the game most of these arenas that we're in were really far away from the ice we're kind of dangling from the ceiling and you know the the ice surface might be five, six, seven stories below. You know, you get off the elevator to go to the booth on 10 and the arena level is on three. So 
you know, that makes it hard. They're all challenging and different in their own way, but they're all fun too. Interesting you bring that up about <clears throat> from the broadcast side. Because when these rules are dropped, you know, and me, the baseball guy, and, and being asked all offseason, Booney, what do you think of the baseball rules? Well, of course, you know, I'm, a, I'm kind of a purist when it comes to the game. I, I like less change. I don't, I don't like too many changes. But at the same time, I'm very open-minded to it. I realize that the game's got to go forward. It's 2023. This offseason, they gave me that clock, and I thought the one thing – baseball players we pride ourselves on is we're the only major sport that doesn't have a clock so i kind of took it in stride say i, I kind of don't like it out of, out of hand but i'll have an open mind i love the clock sean i love <laughs> it because i was thinking at first <clears throat> you know i was thinking my brain went everywhere it's like well how are they going to get the signs from the third base coach on time but then i'm thinking well it's 2023 they don't even give signs anymore so that's out but i thought about the cat and mouse with the hitter and the batter the only thing I don't like about the clock, and I think it can be tweaked in the future, is that eight-second engagement rule where the, where the hitter's got to engage the pitcher at eight seconds. Now the pitcher can hold the ball on you. As a hitter, I, I could always counter that by calling timeout. Well, I only have one timeout now. But other than that, I think the, the new rule's been hard, but nobody ever brings into the equation, well, what about the in the broadcast booth? That's a change for them, too. Nobody ever thought about that. But it's interesting – when you talk about now, I, I used to have to fill time with stories, and you probably have stories written down. All right, if we have a downtime, this is a good story for this time in my life. Nobody ever thought about that, and it's really, it's really, you hit on a good point. Like, I didn't even think about the broadcast booth and how much more of a swift pace you're going. Yeah, it's totally different. You know, how would Vin, was Vin huge... Scully, what would he have done? Yeah, he'd be a totally different broadcaster, and I'm not sure that would be good, right? I mean, part of right. his greatness was his ability to tell a, a great story. You know, he was so well prepared, and he had people help him uh, do preparation as well. But, you know, that was a big part of his magic was he, you know, he had so many great stories about almost all the players. And I do miss that. I mean, I used to complain all the time the last many years about the pace of play. And, uh, you know, the, we had Red Sox pitchers who'd take 45 seconds or a minute between pitches. I mean, it just drive you crazy. And it's certainly not fan-friendly. I think it's a much better game now for the fan. I think it's a mm -hmm. much better game if you're sitting in the stands watching it or watching it on TV or even listening to it on the radio. But, you know, part of what I used to like about especially doing the games on the radio was you said you, you're kind of in control of the whole thing yourself because, you know, you're painting the pictures and you're deciding, you know, what order that you're saying things. On TV, uh, there's you don't have as much control because basically the producer and director are putting the pictures up and you're putting the captions <clears throat> on the pictures. Now, sometimes you can get on your talk back button to the truck and ask them for a particular shot of a player or the manager or whatever. But... I do miss the by play with the other people in the booth, you know, the ability to kind of uh, bust each other or, or tell a story. And, you know, you can't, you, you know, you can, but it's, you know, you're weaving it in between pitches because they're coming every 15 seconds or so. So you start to tell a story, then you have to call the pitch and then you kind of resume the story and then you call the pitch and the, where before you might have, as I said, 45 seconds or a minute with nothing happening. So, it's totally different. You know, I wish there was kind of a happy medium from a broadcast standpoint, but I, I think it's a much better game now. I do. And I think, I'll, you know, I, the big picture is with the, with the two disengagements to first base. I think that the goal 
when they put these rules in was to encourage base running again, to encourage a swift play. If you go back to the 70s, this is how the games were. That's how fast they went. Uh, but I think it's good to get the guys running again. You know, maybe that disengagement over the years is going to change. But right now, it's incentivizing people to steal bases. It's getting stealing bases back into baseball, and I, and I think that's good for the game. So all in all, I don't know. I'm kind of a fan of what they've done, and I'm not always a fan of of rule changes. But but this particular one, I think they hit a home run. Very, uh, but interesting perspective from the broadcast booth. Uh, I agree with you about the stolen bases. I'm glad to see that back too. You know. Yeah, you know, you got you got an Acuna going. It might steal 70 bases. When's the last time? We had, it was an afterthought. The guys right. just didn't steal bases. It wasn't important to them. And I think it's really cool moving the game. I don't think the catchers like it because no. the, the, the real astute base stealers still have that a huge advantage. But they'll find a way to, to, to kind of tweak that. You have a favorite. I, I would think for me, and, and I know you're, you, love the, the, you love playing golf. Um, <laughs> But that would be quite off the beaten path for what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. Do you have a favorite when it comes to any of the 11 that you mentioned? <laughs> well, you know, if you ask me this time of the year, I'd probably say college football. You know, it's, as you know, being an all-around sports fan yourself, when I talk to your brother, a lot of times it's about the USC Trojans. Uh, his football. They're good. They're so, good, too, this year. They're really good. Yeah. They might even be great. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, they're – they're only playing whatever it is, 12 or 13 games. And so every one of them is important. Our group's lucky. We generally get one of the best games in the country every week. So, you know, we know the games that we're doing most of the time are going to be important. And there's just such great atmosphere in most of these places, you know, the build up to the game during the week and just the vibe when you walk through the parking lot into the stadium and all the traditions that come with college football and pageantry. So, you know, this time of the year, I'd say that. I love hockey. I mean, I grew up here in Boston in the heyday of Bobby Orr and the and the Boston Bruins. And, you know, he was my first sports idol and uh, still is. <clears throat> still the greatest hockey player I've ever seen. I know the, you know, I'm, I'm probably biased, but uh, love hockey. When we got the hockey back ESPN and ABC a couple of years ago, and you know, I, I called Jimmy Pitaro, texted Jimmy Pitaro, the president of ESPN, said, I, I really want to do this. And thankfully, they gave me the opportunity. So to have the chance to do the Stanley Cup final, uh, that's been awesome. And then, you know, to your point about the golf, I, I'm a passionate golfer and I'm nowhere near as good as you, but I, I love it. As a matter of fact, it's funny, the, when I got put on the golf, oh gosh, probably 2010, at ESPN, when we wound up getting all of the British Open, they needed more announcers. A couple of my golf buddies said, you know, they let you announce golf the way you play. <laughs> I said, well, they let me announce football. I'm not exactly Tom Brady. I mean, you know, exactly. it's not really a job requirement, but I guess it's worth pondering. You know, I have, one of the things I don't do with golf commentary is try to suggest that, you know, this is how he or she should hit this shot because uh, – you know, that's why we have the real golfers on the broadcast to talk about that. But I love doing it. It's a challenge in and of its own way because when they come to you, you never know. You know, a lot of golf comment, a lot of golf TV is on tape because, you know, it's going on in 18 holes in, in different places with all, all within those 18 holes all at the same time. So there's no way you could show everything simultaneously, you know, everything live. It's impossible. So a lot of it's on tape. And because it's so fast, you know, they don't always 
have the time to warn you that they're coming to you. So you constantly have to be paying attention to what's happening on the holes that you're covering and just know, okay, you know, Brett Boone just chipped one in on 16. That's my hole. They're probably, that's what I know. That you know, tape. you've seen, you've seen that so much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, you get, you get, you really kind of have to pay attention um, to what's going on, which is part of the, the fun part of it. One of the bummers, the only negative for me doing the hockey is when they moved the PGA championship from August to May, you know, before it was in August and I had nothing else going on and it was, I was able to do it with our great ESPN group. But uh, now that it's in May, it's right in the middle of the Stanley cup playoffs. So I haven't been able to do the PGA championship the last couple of years and I really miss it. And I would think too, with the other sports you mentioned, you know, you don't know what it's like to be a football player. Uh, most broadcasters, especially at the top level, um, have never been in the box against a, a Jacob Degrom, right? But you've been in in that awkward position with a with a sixty degree wedge, and you know how tough it can be. So I think that'd be kind of cool because golf is the one sport, if I can call it a sport, that everybody can relate to. Ex baseball players, ex football players, broadcasters, guys that didn't play sports because everybody plays golf. So you always know what that, when, when somebody shanks a ball, you know what that is. You know, when someone blocks a ball into the woods, you know what that is. So I think that, that would be cool. I yeah. Think. And everybody knows the pressure in their own way. Right. Even if it's right. Little, right. Then you're $10 Nassau. And your yeah. $10 Nassau, whatever, you know, and, and I think all of us, you know, amateur golfers, you know, country club hackers are, uh, yeah, well, you still know that you know when you're short-sighted and the, you know the, the the holes ten feet off the edge of the green, you got to flop it over a bunker and try to stop it. You know, we know that's hard, even for great pros, right? So, um, one of the things that I I benefit from a little bit too, Brett, is just uh, I belong at a place called Whisper Rock out in Scottsdale, and we have about thirty pros uh, who play there, and from time to time I get to play with them, watch them practice or whatever, and. Uh, you know, you, you, you do get an appreciation up close of just how great they are. And uh, and even the differences, you know, between them, right? They're, they're my, you know, John Rahm is at Whisper Rock. You know, he's better than a lot of the other pros who are there, obviously, probably all of them. And they're all great. But even, you know, in the PGA Tour, there's, there's levels, right? Just like there might be at... Yeah. Where you play golf, you know, there's scratch golfers and there's five handicappers and there's right. a difference between that too. There's not that wide a spread among the pros, obviously, or they wouldn't be on the PGA Tour. But, uh, yeah, I love doing the golf and uh, and I, I wish we had more of it. I, when I was going over your resume and I was looking at it, I think, man, McDonough does everything. Like, you're doing football now and you're going to go into hockey soon. And I think, how does he keep it all together? But then it dawned on me, that's got to be pretty cool for you because unlike us who, you know, I played baseball and what do I do? I play, go to spring training and I play 162 games. If we have a good year, I get to go to the postseason this year and I play. And those years where we don't go to the postseason, that's a long 162 games. And I just want to go off in the sunset for you, probably in the broadcast booth, doing something for a long time. You kind of welcoming, especially this year in Boston, Hasn't been one of the better years. They're still above 500 in a real tough division, but not go. Doesn't look like they're going anywhere. And to be up oh, well, now, it's football time. I can kind of move on. <laughs> it, it's kind of a cool thing, I think. 
Yeah, it, it's great. It, you know, as you know, because the baseball season is so long and you've experienced it your whole life, you know, a lot of baseball broadcasters, that's all they do because it's such a grind that when the season's over, um, you know, they just want to take it easy and not travel. And so, but I always, you know, growing up knowing that this is what I wanted to do probably when I was five or six years old, you know, I, I grew up a all around sports fan. My dad was a sports writer. I was you know, going around all the different games with him. So I, I, I loved the variety. You know, I've always wanted to do as many different sports as I can. And to me, that's part of the fun. But you do get to your point where, you know, when the football, the baseball season's coming to the end, you're kind of ready to get on to something else. And I'll be the same way at the end of the college football season, too. You know, preparing for college football is a real grind. I mean, there's it's like studying for a test every week because, you know, there's there's going to be 70 some odd guys, 80 guys who may dress for each team. And, you know, you, probably 60 of them have a chance of getting in the game. And you really have to know something about all of them, really, if you're preparing as well as you should. So uh, and it's every week you're on Zooms with the coaches or you're meeting with them in person. You're meeting with the players, the offense coordinator, defensive coordinator. Uh, you're trying to read as much as you can. You're watching tapes of the previous games that they've played. You're talking to people who cover them to, to get some insights. So it's a, it's a week-long prep. So usually by the time college football is over, I'm kind of ready to, to move on to the next thing. You know, there is some overlap with the hockey. Uh, hockey starts in a month, which is hard to believe, less than a month. And uh, But ESPN is great to me. They really don't have me do many games in uh, October, November, December, while college football is still going on. So I, I don't have as much overlap as some other people. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Uh, on the baseball side, you've had some great partners. Joe Castiglione currently, uh, Jerry Remy, um, you had for years and years. Is there a challenge for you going sports? You've had, I'm, I can't even imagine how many partners in the booth you've had over the years. Can that be a challenge at times? Oh, sure, yeah. Guys, and I know guys you sync number, with? It's a great question. The rough number is about 160. Um, I keep a list. I wish I had known we were going to talk about that. I would have brought it up for you, read you some of the names, but uh, I've kept a list of all the different analysts, you know, including luge analysts and bobsled analysts and all you know, those luge football. luge analysts are. Oh important. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, John Fee was our luge analyst, and uh, and Bonnie Warner, and John Morgan was our bobsled analyst. So I still keep in touch with. He's still up in Lake Placid and a real character, and uh, it was fun to get to know them when we were over in Albertville and in uh, Lillehammer. But uh, it is difficult. In in all honesty. Um, I'm going through it right now. Over the last five years, I worked with Todd Blackledge on college football, and uh, he left for you know a great opportunity at NBC, you know. And um, so I'm working with Greg McElroy, and as you and I are speaking, we've done two games together, and it's just different. It's different for both of us, you know. The, he had worked with Joe Tessitore the last couple of years, and you know everybody's cadence and pacing and timing and the way they like to do things is different. 
So I'm getting used to Greg's. So he's getting used to mine. Right. Uh, the good thing is he's a great guy. You know, I've been lucky of the 160 people. Uh, I don't even think there's a handful that I didn't like. You know, most of them became some of my, a lot of them become some of my closest friends. You know, guys like Jay Billis and Bill Raftery, and you mentioned Jerry Remy, who uh, we, we miss a lot here uh, in Boston. We just uh, lost him to cancer a couple of years ago. And, um, you know, so when you work with somebody you really like and there is great chemistry, it's, uh, it's the most fun. And I've been lucky that it, it's rare where you just work with somebody and think, wow, this, this just isn't fun. Yeah. And I, I was going to, well, you kind of answered the question, but I was going to say, you got to have guys. And I know over the years where you get your assignment and you go, son of a bitch, I don't want to work <laughs> with that clown. <laughs> but you said it's a small list. It's like a, everything we do. You know, you get asked about teammates. I had so many teammates over the years and, and it's amazing when fans come and say, Oh yeah. And I said, you know, at the end of the day, I played with a lot of guys on a lot of teams. Pretty, the guys are pretty much good guys. You know, yeah. there's not too many guys that I had a problem like like you. Uh, there's a hand I can if if you put a gun to my head, I can name five guys. But it's really not more than that that I didn't come mind going to work and and going to battle with from seven to ten every night. It's like most of the guys are pretty good guys, and and. There are challenges to you, like like you said, you're you're working with a new partner. It's not sure. that it's going to be it's not going to be a great relationship. It just takes time, like anything else, to get used to one another's your your idiosyncrasies. Right. You know, everybody has a different way of preparing, different way they like to do the meetings, different way they like to. You know, we show for the game, the football game, two hours or so ahead of time. Everybody has their routines, the way they want to do things, and you know, some of the analysts like to go down the field before the game, some don't. You know, it's, it's a whole different, uh, it's just learning it. But, you know, Greg McElroy, one thing I already knew, because I've known Greg for a while, is that he's a great guy. You know, when they told me uh, they were going to put him with me, I thought, well, that's great, because he's a, he's a super nice guy. And he's really good. You know, it's just different, you know. And, and right. you know, I, I think I was spoiled, because Greg even says this, you know, Todd Blackledge, to me, is about as good as, as any analyst, uh, certainly as good as anyone in college football. And I'm trying to think who I think is better in any other sports. I mean, he's just as top shelf as they come. And Greg himself has said, you know, Todd's kind of the gold standard for him. So uh, it's different. And, um, you know, everybody has to make their own decisions. I know it was hard for Todd to leave ESPN. He was there for 20 plus years, basically worked with the same crew the entire time. He loved them. They loved him. But, you know, part of it is the financial part of it, right? And if someone makes you a better offer, you got to ponder if that's what you want to do. And I'm really happy for him because he deserves it. But you know, to your point about teammates, it's it's the same thing uh, for us, right? You, the people you work with on the crew, th those are your teammates, the producer, the director, the technicians, you know, the audio people. The audio people are super important for us. Um, and I'm really blessed in our college football group that I think we have, the, you know, the best guys in the business working with us every Saturday. But it really is a team. And uh, so... You know, when I worked with Raftery and Billis, we were doing the big Monday in the Big East and then the ACC every Monday. And I looked forward to it because you were going to hang around with your buddies, right? And when you probably played on teams that had great chemistry, you kind of looked forward to getting to the park because you knew you were going to have some fun right. busting on each other and getting ready for the game, going out and competing together toward the same goal. So, yeah, it's uh, we don't have the same objective standard. I'm a really competitive person, and I think – one of the things that frustrates people, ex-players or, or ex-coaches, managers, when they come into broadcasting is there's not the adrenaline flow of the winning and losing, right? There's not the, 
you know, the highs and lows. You know, you when you finish broadcasting a game, you know, you kind of know, okay, we were good, we were great, we were we didn't have such a good night, but there's no objective standard really. And I think a lot of athletes and coaches really miss that when they get into TV. Yeah, you're, you're right. That's an interesting point because it's – I know right away at the end of a game whether I was a non-factor, I helped us lose, <laughs> or I was a star today, maybe. It's pretty obvious, and the numbers will tell you that. But on this side of the, the ledger, it, it is true. I can walk away from our podcast today and go, that was a good podcast. I know enough now. I've done enough now where I get up and I go, that was great. I'll yeah. get up and say, that was solid. And then uh, very rarely, but I'll get up, oh, man, that wasn't that great. But I, I got another one I got to do tomorrow. But you're right. It's it's not an object, but it's a feeling you have. You know after calling a game, and it could have been an exciting game, came down to the wire, whether it's baseball, football, high, whatever it is. You probably get up at the end of that booth, shake your partner's hand and go, that was a good broadcast, right? Well, you know what? And you know. It's interesting, <clears throat> and you kind of touched on it on, on uh, the way by. The I've had so many times where I thought, wow. You know, like I just had one of these days where every sentence came out and it was well phrased and the stories were good. They were well timed. You said something funny and you made an astute point at a particular part of the game, you know, that turned out to be important or whatever. But if the game's a dog, I have done a lot of games where it was a great game. And I thought, oh, I was just okay. Or, Boy, I was kind of off today or whatever. And I get more text messages. Phenomenal job today. You were great. And I know. No, I wasn't. You know, but the game I'm was glad, great. I'm, so, I'm glad you think it was. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know what? And I'm, I was thinking as you were talking about your experience on this podcast, right? There can be times when you were probably terrific and you asked a lot of great questions and you were interesting and funny. But if the guest is a dud. You know, there's only it, so much you could do, fault, right? Right. So, yeah. So that's sort of the way I feel about doing games. You know, there are times we could be great, but the and that's really the important part about the preparation that we we're talking about the football. It's really the guard against the boring game where, OK, it's 42 to 10. We can't keep saying first and 10, second and five. That was a good catch. You know, people, you got to give them something else. So start telling hopefully interesting stories about the players, the coaches, the team. Uh, whatever it might be to to keep people involved. Yeah, and and as as all sports fans, you know, as we watch a game, and and especially, and I and I'm getting better at it. But man, when you're a ex, ex baseball player, you're tough on those baseball announcers. You know, you're <laughs> listening and you're yelling at the TV. You don't even know what you're talking. Right. But I take a step back now, being on this side of the ledger, and go, you know, it's really tough to call a game and be great every day. I couldn't imagine, you know, if I've got to do, if if me and Sean McDonough have to do 20 days in a row, we've got to do interviews and talk. Man, are we going to talk about the same stuff? I mean, it's it's not easy when you go back to back to back. So I, I, in my older age, Sean, I, I'm getting a little, I, I'm, I'm softening up a little bit. And I'm not well, we appreciate that, you know, <laughs> but we're just like players, coaches, officials, whatever. You know, we have real lives. You know, sometimes you have stuff going on in your life that might affect your ability to concentrate when you're in the booth or whatever. You know, it's uh, it's real life. We're not robots, just like the players aren't robots. And you know, I think, you know, to use your word, you know, I've definitely softened over the years. You know, I used to be probably more, I don't want to say critical, but you're more likely to jump on something that wasn't good. You know, now you 
kind of realize, you know what, we're all human beings. So and it's uh, hard. most of them are out there trying the best they can. And uh, so hopefully it makes you a better broadcaster as time goes along. And you have a little more empathy for uh, the people who are involved because, you know, we're not we're not good every night. We're certainly not great every night. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of nights when you're doing it thinking, my God, come on, you know, <laughs> get your head out yeah. of the rear end here and uh, start doing a better job announcing this game. What makes a great color, man? Um, another great question. I think uh, knowledge, obviously, um, you know, and, and the ability to express it. And then I think, you know, on TV, you know, one of the things um, that I admired about Tim McCarver and Jerry Remy and, you know, the best baseball analyst that I've worked with, your brother, um, Aaron, um, who I would put right in that same category, really. He was a tremendous analyst. And, and to, to our earlier conversation about, as you know, I mean, I've been blessed to become your brother's friend. You know, he's a he's a great guy. And, uh, well, as a matter of fact, he'll, he's in town here in Boston this week with the uh, – but the, um, you know, it's, I think it's the knowledge of the game. You know, some people have all the knowledge in the world. They're just not very good at expressing it. And I, and I think part of that is understanding the medium of television. You know, that's something that Jerry Remy really got better at over the years. You know, it's not, it's one thing to talk about the game. It's another thing to use TV, um, whether it's replays or whatever, to kind of pass that knowledge along to the viewer. So, and then I think, you know, especially in baseball, where even with the speeded up clock now, it still is a little more conversational. And on TV, you can still do that because if, if the play-by-play -play guy doesn't call every pitch, it doesn't matter. I can see it, right? So, But on the radio, you know, the one thing you can't do on the radio is say, 2-0 uh, and o on Brett Boone went, well, well, wait a minute, but I didn't hear anything about ball one or ball two. So, you know, you, you can't. So you have to at least interrupt the conversation that, talk about what's happening and, and then go back to your story. So, you know, I, I think guys like, like Jerry Remy, you know, a big part of his popularity here in New England and really around the world, <clears throat> people who watch Red Sox games all over the place now is just his personality. You know, his, um, he and I had great chemistry and had a lot of laughs. And then when he started working with Don Orsolo, it was the same thing. When you're a baseball announcer, you know, most of them are on every night. And I think that's one of the reasons why the most popular broadcasters have typically been the baseball announcers, because you feel like you know them. And, they, they, and because they have all that time, they are telling stories and they are kind of revealing a little bit about themselves. So, I mean, if, if you think about who are the most popular broadcasters of our lifetime, Vin Scully, Ernie Harwell, Jack Buck, Harry Carey, you know, it's uh, not that the local guys in other sports aren't really popular too, but I think, by and large, the, the baseball announcers are the most popular because you feel like you know them. I'm sure you've talked at length with Aaron about this, but us growing up in Philadelphia, Harry Callis, I can still hear, mm -hmm. I can still hear his voice because, you know, a lot of our, our fondest memories, at least mine are, you know, I, I, I was fortunate enough to play this game at a high level for a long time. But some of my fondest memories are from my childhood and going mm -hmm. to the vet and hanging out with dad and listening to Harry Callis. That's, that's, that's my childhood. Mm -hmm. That's Harry Callis on the mic and, you know, Pete at first and, and bull in left field and Gary Maddox in center field, Manny trio playing second base. That was the guy I went to. I helped him paint his glove. Cause that's what I was going to be. a second <laughs> baseman. So you're right though. You're right. It's, it's uh, pretty, pretty cool stuff. 2400 sports is an odyssey company.